0: Well, good morning. morning. (laughs) morning. So I have to say that um, I left the house unprepared because I have been freezing, (laughs) freezing, and I see some of you had the sense to bundle up, but, but, you know, I always ask God to bring the heat, bring the fire, (laughs) but you guys pretty much got it going, so thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. And we had a break dancer this morning, too. Yeah. Oh, man, okay. So, last week, Pastor Ron talked about the Magi. And they're called Magi because there's three of them. And Magi is the plural for Magus. I believe that's the way it's pronounced, uh, which is a member of a priestly class from Persia. Uh, You might remember the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Anybody remember that? So Daniel was a Hebrew boy uh, who was taken from his homeland when the Babylonians conquered Israel. And he grows up there. He's in service to the king. And he's actually present when Babylon is conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And the Persians, they recognize this this Daniel guy. He's he's not an ordinary fella, right? So they ask him to serve the king as well, and he does that. And as things go, you know, uh, uh, politics and ego gets involved, and Daniel gets some enemies, and, and they want to cast him, get him. They get him cast into the lions' den. But before that happens, uh, I believe it's. Daniel chapter 7 thereabouts that uh, Daniel has this dream and in this dream he actually sees and prophesies about Jesus really and many scholars think that these magi are descendants of those astrologers that were around at the time of Daniel is that wild think about that So, we have Daniel. He has this dream. God saves him from the lion's den. He saves him from the lions. And the result is this. The king says, you know what? I decree that everyone in my kingdom, far and wide, must worship and revere the God of Daniel. Whoa. That's good stuff. So Pastor Ron mentioned last week that these Magi followed a star. And uh, this week I want to talk a little more about the star. Uh, There's a lot of speculation about the nature of the star, but the only thing that everyone agrees on is this, is that it wasn't an ordinary star. right? There had to be something special about this star. And and as Pastor Ron mentioned, these guys were astrologers, so they were accustomed to looking at the heavens and gaining information and guidance from what they saw. And this star was special in some way that, you know, it wasn't because of the hum that it had when it moved. Uh, It was, but there was something about that star that made them do presumably something they hadn't done before this star bade them to go. So they packed up their bags and they left their home and uh, they traveled to a foreign land to worship a king they didn't know. And the star guided them all the way there. It told them where to go. It told them where to pause. They had no idea where they were going. All they knew was that the star would guide them. Wouldn't it be great if there was a star, a guide of some source that we could have as we enter into this new year? I mean, we we plan for things, right? Uh, But no one knows the future. I certainly don't. I wish I did. But it's like driving at night in the Central Valley and the fog comes in. And it's like pea soup and you can't see the road ahead. Or for you skiers, maybe you're going to Lake Tahoe and there's a whiteout right, where the snow is so thick that you can't see the car in front of you or the turn ahead. No one knows the future. We can have a plan. We may have an idea about where we're going, but, yeah, we still, we still don't know the way. Some of us started last year unaware that they were going to be laid off. Some of us started the year not knowing that they were going to lose a loved one. We just don't know. We may know exactly where we want to go. We may know exactly what we want to do, and we may even have a plan to get there. But we recognize that despite all that, there are potholes along the way. There are pitfalls that get in the way. There always are. And I'm reminded that the poet Robert Burns, who echoes when he speaks, has said that the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Ain't that the truth? The future is unknown to us, so in the end, it just really doesn't matter. We need a guide of some sort. We need help along the way. And so wouldn't it be great if there was a guide? Wouldn't it be great if there was something to hold on to, a, a light and a darkness to be guided by? But we need not just any guide, we need uh, one that will remain true, whether the pathway is covered in darkness or if it 's shining bright with sunlight because excuse me, because each has their own set of difficulties. So the magi had a star to guide them. they granted it it was a star that uh, was of a different sort I mean it presumably. Moved, stopped, turned, went different directions, kind of turns physics as we know it, on its head. Uh, We need something a little less um, special, (laughs) a little less dramatic than that, but we need one that's equally reliable. What we need is what's commonly referred to as a north star. The north star is a star that uh, remains relatively fixed in the night sky, and because of that, It can be used as a navigation tool. It helps us establish what is true north. And because it helps us establish what is true north, it also lets us know what's east, west, and south. Right, So we can figure out the way to go. Symbolically, it serves as an anchor. It it provides a reference point for us that keeps us on track of our core values or our objectives. Even in the face of challenges like, I can't see the road ahead. Or challenges like, oh, wow, that looks interesting. Why don't we go do that? Fortunately, we do have a North Star. We do have an anchor that is reliable if we're wise enough to use it. This star is just as reliable as the star the Magi follow, uh, excuse me followed, but our star is even better because it doesn't just point the way; it provides sustenance for the journey that is calling us to. I suggest to you that the star that we should follow, each and every one of us, is Jesus. Daniel prophesied about him. The king of Persia declared him. And then Daniel's, think about it, Daniel's information, inspired by God, was so reliable, it stood the test of centuries to be reliable and actionable hundreds of years later. Is it possible? Is it possible that God's guidance is just as reliable today. I think it is. In the book of Ephesians, we're told, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the Lord's will is. It's wise to understand what the uh, Lord's will is. The will of God is a fixed north star. God's will is a reliable anchor to hold us steady in calm or raging seas, and the will of God is a lamp, it's a light that clarifies the way forward. So as we start the new year, I'm I'm asking us to choose our north star once again. Or for some of us maybe even for the first time. This morning I'm asking you to choose to put God first before all the other things that might take up your time and take up your energy. Now, that'll look different for each of us because God calls one, but how God calls one is not necessarily the way he calls another. And so this passage urges us, regardless, to be intentional in our choices and make decisions that are aligned with God's will. What might get in the way of our doing that? Take a moment, won't be long, uh, but take a moment and think about, maybe even write down if you want to do that, what are three things? What are three things you've been focused on entering into this year? What are some of the things that came to mind? If someone would be willing to just shout out something, we won't hold you to it, but um, anyone, just anything that came to mind. But three things, one of three things that you were focused on as you entered the year. Dissertation, Dissertation. okay. Health. Health. My top, my top two are tied. Um, they're kind of in a tag team at the moment. I have seminary and my work here at the church, or my work here at the church and seminary, <laughs> followed by some family stuff. Right? But the interesting thing is God didn't even pop up. God wasn't on the radar. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I thoroughly expect God to show up in all three of those areas. But that is different from asking, um, "Hey, Lord, how how would you like me to respond to these three things? What are you doing in these three things, as opposed to me?" stressing and fretting about what I'm going to do about those three things. Here are just a few ways that we could potentially plan to put God first in our lives. We can prioritize time with God. We can reflect upon God's grace. We might engage in acts of service. We could seek God's guidance in our decision-making, or we could set spiritual goals. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's a good one, Um, and we don't have time to do a deep dive in each one of these possibilities, but I'm going to focus my attention on two this morning, Um, prioritizing time with God and setting spiritual goals. So prioritizing time with God. The idea is you want to allocate time and space for prayer, for meditation, for whatever it takes to strengthen your relationship with God. It's something that uh, we've been emphasizing for several weeks now because it's just that important. The path to spiritual growth is spending time with God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 that I am divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, some translations say abide, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So how does one remain or abide in Christ? Well, by spending time with them. A couple of heavyweights of the past of the faith um, have put it this way. R.A. Torrey says that we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much, much machinery, but few results. A.W. Tozer, a favorite of mine, he said, spending time with God puts everything else in perspective. If a man wants to be used by God, he cannot spend all of his time with people. What each of these guys are saying is that to grow spiritually, we have to have margin in our lives. We have to have uh, a space uh, to allow for that to happen. It means scheduling our life in such a way that a personal and intentional seeking of God can take place. Through prayer, longing for his presence, seeking hard after God. Now, I have to say that my meter runs hot and cold on this. Um, I can very easily lose my way if I'm not deliberate about sectioning off time and a practice. And you need both time and a practice. If I don't be deliberate about that, I lose my connection with God, and frankly, I lose connection with myself. So the time and process is up to you, though. Right? It's not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, each of us can make a choice for something that gives us, that, that we would say is life-giving now, that could change later. We see in, in the Bible that Jesus was known for getting up early in the morning and going to a solitary place to pray. You might find that in Mark 1 thereabouts. But on the other hand, the other places where he talks about Jesus going in the evening and on occasion praying all night. You can find that in Luke 5 or 6. But here's the thing. The idea is not for you to do Jesus. The idea is for you to do you. What is the thing, what is the practice that allows you to feel most connected with God? What is the schedule that allows you to do that in a consistent way? What's the schedule and the practice? that allows you to recognize and hold on to that understanding of God as you've known Him when He's been His most intimate with you. That's what you're looking for. And again, that can change over time. The psalmist tells us, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Can we all join together this year in prioritizing Arranging our lives in such a way that we can live in that space. I want to feel like the psalmist. Another way we can put God first this year is in setting spiritual goals. You may need to establish some for your spiritual growth. It it might be regular prayer. It might be service to others. It, could be any number of things. Or it could be one that was a challenge for our family for quite some time. And that was financial giving. See, prior to our journey with Christ, we we managed to devolve from stability to poverty. And then after Christ, we started making choices that led us to health and stability. But that giving thing... That was tough for us. It, it, it didn't seem to make sense. How could, in, in times of struggle, how do we give money that we feel we don't have to things, to people who seemingly don't need it or could get by without it? It didn't make sense to us. And so we made choices that we thought would get us over the hump, that just led us further into deeper despair and debt. Um, It took some time and, frankly, bankruptcy uh, before deciding to bite the bullet and put God to the test. I'm not proud of that, but I'm also not ashamed to talk about it because I know if I needed to hear, somebody else needs to hear. See, the problem that we had is that we were seeking something other than God's best. We had actually put uh, money and possessions, material things, in place of God. Those became idols for us. And, and here's the thing. Before you tell yourself, well, <laughs> wow, sucks to be you, don't tell yourself that that's not you because these things are matters of degree and opportunity. The question isn't what can I do, the question is what does God desire me to do? We have so many opportunities in our context and with those opportunities the tension comes and how do I do all those things? Right? How can I arrange my life so I can Do this, be there, experience that. And the thing is, none of these things are inherently wrong. They're okay to do. But we don't want to do them apart from God's guidance. So it's traditionally accepted that it's good and proper and even required that the people of God tithe. The tithe is generally regarded as a tenth of one's resources. And if you followed it to the letter, it could be more than 20%. Some suggest that tithing is Old Testament, and we don't need to worry about it anymore. Uh, Without going deep on that, I would just say, no. (laughs) Most scholars have agreed that Jesus, a New Testament guy never abolished, never refuted the idea of tithing. I can think of one incident in Matthew 22 where the scribes and the Pharisees want to trick Jesus. And so they ask him, because either way he answers this question, he's going to get in trouble. They ask him, well, is it okay to pay the the tax to Rome? Because if he says, pay the tax for Rome, the people are going to be upset with him because we hate Rome. If he says it's not okay, then the authorities are going to be upset because, hey, we want our money. And so Jesus says, well, give me a coin. And they give him a coin, and he looks at him and he says, well, who's, whose inscription is on this? And he says, oh, well, it's Caesar's. Jesus gives them this challenging answer that cuts across all lines. He looks at the coin and says, "Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's." Ouch. See, we had intentionally or otherwise, again, decided that it was more important to spend on things we felt we needed or desired, and therefore we couldn't tithe. Jesus kind of blows that out of the water. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's. That's the thing about tithing it exposes our matters of faith and obedience. We live in a land of abundance. And because of that, it is crucial that we recognize our relationship to money and things. One example, just a small example, is that it's recognized that more than a third of the world's population lives on less than 2 dollars a day 2 dollars a day i went back and peeked at my coffee purchases the last month 2 dollars and 62 cents one day it's not bad 345 on another day oops 890 eight eighty four forty five. That doesn't include points redeemed or gift cards I've used. So on just five occasions, five moments in time, I managed to spend fourteen days worth of salary for a third of the population of the world. And I didn't even bat an eye. Now that's not an issue, right? Unless, unless I've ignored the opportunity to serve God and others because I got to have my mocha. See, then it's a problem. But that said, I want you to understand that that God doesn't want us to give merely out of obligation. That's not what it's about. The promise of God is provision. In Proverbs chapter 11, he tells us, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We're also told in 2 Corinthians 9 that each of you should give what you've decided. In your heart to give, not reluctantly, reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so being a gracious and generous God, the promise is given, Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Don't have it on stream, but you've you've heard it. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Is this an area where you need to grow in? Is this an area you need to make changes? It might mean spending less like we did for Advent. On the other hand, it might mean rearranging what you spend your money on. You may spend the same amount of money but on different things for different purposes. For us, it was a decision to uh, a decision on what we spend on and choosing obedience over comfort. So what would it look like for you to put God first in this area? I want to challenge you to, to, to make a decision, right? to give careful thought and consideration to what God would say to you about this area of your life. And then choose to put God first. Make the choice. As I wrote this, I was reminded of the song. I'm not going to sing it for you because, you know, I like you people. Um, But we used to sing it a lot. We don't sing it very often now. But it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Pray with me. Father God, we, um, we desire to follow you. We really do want to follow you. But it's tough sometimes. It's tough to make choices. We ask, Father, that by your spirit, you would strengthen our resolve, that you would strengthen our faith. We ask, Lord, that as we choose to follow you, that you would provide, even as you promised, and that we would learn To seek you in each and every aspect of our lives. Placing you first. Following closely after you. And trusting that you will take care of us in that process. And we just ask that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we are going to take communion. Communion. And as a follower of Christ, or perhaps one who's just chosen to follow Christ today, um, we invite you to join us in this this celebration. It's a celebration that is both somber and joyous. On the one hand, it's somber because we're remembering um, the death of our Savior, but the flip side of the coin is that because of that death, we have salvation and we have freedom to live. Um, and so we're joyous as well. We're reminded in 1 Corinthians that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you drink or eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes i'm going to invite the servers to come forward Our practice is to have gluten free on this side, my right, your left, and the regular portions on my left, your right. And I invite you to come up as you feel ready and prepared. Um, And I think it would be good to prepare your heart before you come. So, Father, we just ask your blessing on this time that we share together. We ask your blessing on our remembrance and our celebration of you. We do so in your name. Amen.